Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you. Glad you could join us. Um, drought? What drought? What are you talking about, right? And so uh, there's a reason that we have that cliche that when it rains, it pours, right? It always comes from somewhere. Cliches are, are cliches for a reason. But anyway, thank you for uh, braving the elements, coming out to, uh, to join us. And you know, we just pray for those that are still making their way in. Uh, but uh, we thank God for his goodness and his grace uh, this morning and in every day. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's important that we continue to gather. Uh, the word tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that we are not to uh, forsake getting together uh, because we need this. Whether it's on a Sunday or it's our Wednesday night service or um, uh, it's in smaller groups, we need to gather together with each other to be uh, reminded of God's goodness and grace and to be reminded of our identity in Christ and uh, to be encouraged because we all need encouragement, don't we? To continue to walk faithfully with the Lord. Uh, and so uh, that's what we're going to do this morning by opening his word together, by praying together, by singing songs of worship uh, to uh, him, which we'll do in just a moment. Uh, all of those uh, are elements that are given to us by the Lord to be able to stay connected with him and uh, to be able to bring our worship and our offering of praise to him. And so what we're going to do now is uh, have a reading from the word of the Lord as our call to worship. Because it's also important when we gather together, we do this personally throughout the week, but when we gather together, uh, we are to prepare our hearts and minds for worship, to be able to say, okay, Lord, thank you for getting me here, for bringing me here, and uh, all, Lord, you know what, uh, what my week was like and what my week ahead might look like, but God, this time is for you. And so allow the words of the Lord, which will be uh, read to you momentarily, um, let those words sink deep into your, your heart and uh, reflect on them, uh, take them to heart, and know that the Lord loves you, and he pursues you, and his heart is for you. So let's listen to the, the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. This morning's reading is from Psalm 84. 
How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in Let's pray. Gracias, Señor, por este día muy bello, Padre, que estemos juntos en este lugar alabando su nombre, Jesús. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day, for this beautiful family, church family here. Father, we ask that you would unite our hearts as we come to worship you this morning. Thank you in Jesus' name.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our endless days will sing his praise. Amen. Amen. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you. We can make our way back to our seats. You don't have to run. We're running in church. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, I trust you've been encouraged already this morning through the time of uh, hearing from his word and, of course, lifting up our voices together. It's so good to be able to praise Jesus together among the saints, right? And we look forward to that day that we were just singing about where the Lord Jesus returns for us. But until then, that's what we want to be found doing, worshiping him. Amen? Worshiping him. Yes. Make sure that you have one of our handouts. It should have been uh, uh, graciously handed to you on the way in. If you don't have one, you can raise your hand. Uh, Kim will bring one up to you. Thank you. And make sure you have that. Yep. It's the same ones that we got last week. We're, we're um, in our first step of the discipleship pathway this week. And so it's okay if you already have one of the brochures and the cards. You can grab another one if you don't have it with you. Uh, but I'd like to, to have everybody have one this morning. Uh, that would be wonderful. And of course, there's uh, more of those resources available if you, uh, if you need more. And of course, if you'd like to, to hand some out and uh, show some of your friends what's going on here at Trinity, uh, I'd love for you to do that. So there's plenty. So make sure you avail yourself of all those available resources. Um, but just want to get caught up in a few things we call church life to make sure we're on the same page. And, uh, you know, there's uh, so much more than we can mention on a Sunday morning, but always check out our website, uh, trinityallenwood.com. Uh, make sure that you go there because all of our information is on there. Uh, but just three things to know, okay? Three things to know uh, that we'll highlight for this morning. Uh, one is that we uh, remember, well, this is going to be pre the three things, but we, uh, we learn, grow, and serve together. And of course, that's how we pursue discipleship here at Trinity. We learn the truth, we grow in faith, and we serve others. Okay, it's a big part of who we are as our core values. Three things to know. Our Dig Deeper class begins next Sunday morning, 9.30 to 10.15 a.m., going through uh, the book. These books will be made available to you, so make sure that uh, if you're coming out that you get there a little bit early so you can get your, uh, your book. Uh, but it is uh, going through a, a new book that's been released called 
another gospel, question mark. And so uh, we've been talking about that for a while. And so here's another opportunity to gather together to, uh, to dig into God's word and to, to learn more about um, uh, just about what's going on in uh, you know, different trends within Christianity, especially, especially in evangelicalism. And so it's a good opportunity to get together, right? Because you can uh, you come a little bit early on Sunday, grab your coffee, and uh, stay in for 45 minutes to, uh, to get together in the group and learn more uh, about God and what he is doing in the world and things that we should be aware of. And so, okay, so put that on your calendar. That begins next Sunday morning. All right, uh, at uh, 9.30 a.m. Uh, next thing, uh, remember that we have our work day coming up in a couple of weeks on October 15th. It's a Saturday. We're going to do a lot of planting out front especially, and so uh, there'll be uh, lots of stuff to do inside as well if you're not much of a gardener and, and uh, want to get your hands dirty, but there's going to be plenty to do, so make sure that uh, you put that on your calendar and come out. We'll be doing that in the morning uh, starting at 8.30 a.m., go till about noon until we're done, but uh, it's a great opportunity to just uh, come for a few hours on a Saturday morning uh, to help us get a lot of work done we need here at Trinity, and we're, we're grateful for uh, the wonderful um, resources that God has blessed us with. So we want to continue to not only maintain them, uh, but to improve them and make them look nicer and uh, to, be, um, uh, to just be good, faithful stewards of what the Lord has blessed us with. So that is October 15th, right? And then, as you notice from, uh, remember from last week, I started mentioning this, that we have the annual uh, coat drive that we are a part of for Jersey Shore Rescue Mission. Those are one of our mission's partners, and their information is out on the, 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 uh, the mission's map, and of course, at our mission's resource table, there's all kinds of information there. But we're starting to collect coats, so if you um, have gently used coats or new coats that you'd like to donate, we're starting to do that between now and and November 19th, and so there is a, a bin, a container right out in the lobby, and so you can just bring them in on a Sunday or during the week. If you're here for a midweek service or for one of the Bible studies, you can come and drop it off there, but we are beginning that now, and if you would like to volunteer to help out on that day at the rescue mission in Asbury Park, um, you can see Andrew and Elizabeth. Um, there's a certain way that you can register for that because they just want to know how many volunteers they're having and who's coming. So you can't just show up for that, but they definitely need volunteers. So um, you can see Andrew and Elizabeth who head up our missions team and they'll point you in the right direction and we'll send you a link uh, through email on how you can just uh, go right to the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission website to register uh, to volunteer on that day, which is Saturday, November 19th uh, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's the day that they actually We'll have people from the community that are in need will come out, and they get a lot of people, and so they need a lot of volunteers to help. So we're doing two things. We're collecting, helping to collect the coats, and uh, bringing them up there, and then if you'd like to volunteer to help on that day, just see Andrew and Elizabeth for that. All right, um, and uh, just a reminder, after our service today, we end our service with communion. It's the first Sunday of the month, and then we will have our fellowship barbecue lunch, right? And so please, everybody stay for that. We'll have plenty of food, so make sure, make sure that you spend some time just enjoying some more fellowship with, um, with all the saints, right, as we were talking about, and continue to encourage each other. So that is today. We'll end our service around the Lord's table, and then we will um, enjoy some food and continued fellowship right after service. Just always, uh, you know, once we conclude our service in here, 
just uh, give the team five or ten minutes as you fellowship some more. Give them time to bring the food out and set up and and get things going, all right? So we appreciate that. And uh, very thankful, uh, we don't say this enough, but thankful to all those who put that together every month, who work to set up before the sur- during the week, preparing everything, getting ready, and in the morning setting it up and cleaning up after. And for those that get to cook the food, especially today in our beautiful weather, outside slaving away on the grill for your hot dogs and hamburgers just the way you like it, right? And so... Um, we thank you uh, to all those who volunteer, right? That's how we learn, we grow, and we serve, and we serve together. Amen? Amen. So um, just uh, keep that in mind. And then, of course, we did just start our Wednesday service last week, um, and so please uh, um, take advantage of that. And uh, every Wednesday we get together from 6.30 to 7.30, and then right after that we pray. And um, we have our prayer gathering from 7.30 to 8.15 every Wednesday. So, um, you know, talking about prayer, we opened up with a Bible reading and prayer, and of course um, uh, we continue to pray for uh, all those who've been affected by the hurricane. And especially in Florida, we know that it came up. It's just amazing how... We've all been watching it, right? The Weather Channel, we see how it came up and then hit the Carolinas, and of course we're getting the remnants of it now. But we want to continue to be in prayer for all those that were affected. So before we dive into word, uh, God's Word together, let's just pray together. So uh, close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's pray. Father, Lord, we want to be known as a church by you, most importantly, Lord, as a church who prays who believes in the gift of prayer through Jesus Christ and the power of of prayer uh, through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. We believe that somehow, Lord, you work out your will through our prayers because you tell us to pray. We don't know how that works, but we just want to be obedient. And you tell us to pray, and so we will pray. But Lord, we love it. We love to commune with you and to speak with you, to let you know what's on our hearts. And Father God, right now, we just focus our prayer. All of our prayers, Lord, collectively, on those who have been affected by this hurricane down in Florida especially. God, it's, it's hard to imagine um, the destruction, the devastation that we just see in pictures and in videos on the news. But Lord, um, many of us have friends and family that uh, live there, or perhaps we've even lived there before or visited, Lord, so we can picture it. But God... Lord, we are just asking very simply that you would show mercy on that whole state, on all those affected, those in leadership who need to help to navigate and lead the the cleanup and the rebuild. Lord, we pray for all of the first responders, those that went and have already gone and are continuing to go, even from all over the country, coming in to help, Lord. We just pray for those perhaps who are still lost that that, that uh, can be rescued. We pray, Lord God, for miracles there. And for, Lord, uh, Lord for those um, families who have lost loved ones, um, God, show your mercy and your compassion during this time of loss. And finally, Father, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the anxiety and fear, we pray, Lord God, that you would speak right into people's lives. Lord, that you would intervene and that you would reveal yourself once again to people that you have been drawing, Lord. Use this, even this, to bring people 
to the saving knowledge of faith in Jesus Christ. Father God, we are asking, Lord, that through your provision and your protection, that you would watch over all that have been affected. God, remind us also to continue to pray for them. We pray for all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. It was back in March of 1981 that a local radio station in California reported on a story about a stolen car in San Diego. Now, unfortunately, this kind of thing happens all the time, so what's the big deal about another stolen car? Well, police were searching for this particular car with reports from many witnesses about its location. So as they were drawing closer to this stolen car still being driven by the one who stole it, a report came in from the car's owner that on the front seat of the stolen car sat a box of crackers. But this box of crackers, unknown to the thief who stole the car, were laced with a poison. See, the car owner had intended to use the crackers as bait for rats outside of his business that he was heading to before the thief stole his car. So now the police and the owner of the car were more interested in apprehending the thief, not just to recover the car, but to save his life. See, so often we run from God and we feel it is to escape his punishment. But what we're actually doing is eluding his rescue. God is pursuing you to rescue you. See, judgment has already been pronounced back from the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, it became the position of all mankind from that point on. In Genesis 3, 8 through 11, it says this, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So God pronounces judgment because Adam and Eve had been disobedient. Later on in verse 24, it says, so God drove them out. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. They had been driven from the garden, which was made just for them. And in the middle of that garden, the tree of life, they had been separated from God. But God provided rescue. In verse 15 of that chapter in Genesis 3, it says this. 
key words in all of the scriptures. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, but you shall bruise him on the heel. He pronounces that judgment to his adversary, Satan, the devil who had tempted Adam and Eve. Because in that verse, Genesis 3.15, God promises that he would rescue us. He promises there would be redemption and reconciliation. God is pursuing you to rescue you. Now, if you accept this rescue, one day the scriptures tell us that you will have access to a new tree of life. Did you know that? But this time, not in a garden, but a city. Revelation 22, 1 to 3. See, what we read about the Garden of Eden in the beginning of the book, here is what we read about the new city of Jerusalem in the new heavens and the new earth at the end of the book in Revelation 22. It says, Then the angels showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. A new tree of life, with its bountiful fruit. For all of us, for all eternity. God is pursuing you to rescue you. And when you have accepted this rescue, his hands outstretched, believing in the Redeemer he promised, way back in Genesis 3.15, Jesus Christ. The Bible says you have been set free. A new creation in Christ Jesus. When you have believed in him for the salvation of your sin. When you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the very Son of God, and that he did what he said he was going to do, die on the cross and rise again on the third day to come back to life. When you believe that is true and that it is true for you and that it is the only truth in order to obtain salvation, the Bible says that you are saved. That you are then a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is how the Bible describes you now. It says you are washed, sanctified, and justified by the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6. You are regenerated and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Titus 3.5. Forgiven from the penalty of sin. 2 Corinthians 5:19. You are born again into a living hope. 1 Peter 1:3. You are united with Christ through his death and resurrection. Romans 6:5. You are a child of God. It says in first in John 1:12. You are an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. Romans 8:17. You are set free by the truth. John 8:31 to 33. You are eternally secure in Christ, John 10, 27 to 31. You are reconciled to God, Colossians 1, 21. A new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The salt of the earth and the light of the world, Matthew 5, 13 and 14. Can I get an amen? To any one of those, please. Amen. 
But you are also then called to live this new life and live out all of this new identity by faith because Jesus loves you and gave himself up for you. That is now our calling as believers in the Lord Jesus. But here's our question. We ask each other and we ask God, how do we do that? How do we now live for him? If Christ died for us, how do we live for him? When Jesus says to believers, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. How do we do that? How do we follow him? When we follow Jesus as a believer in him, it's a journey. It's a journey that takes a lifetime. A lifetime to get to know him more, to love him more, as the, the lyrics to the famous song say, to see him more clearly, to love him more dearly, and to follow him more nearly day by day. But also, as the old Chinese proverb says, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So what is the first step on the journey with Jesus? What is the first step on the pathway of a disciple? You know, last week we, um, we started talking about this discipleship pathway, launching this as a tool that we will be able to use together to encourage each other to stay on this path as we journey with Jesus together, living out the life of a disciple. But see, everybody's path might look a little different, but yet there are at least 12 steps, stepping stones, on this pathway of discipleship that we glean from the scriptures. That's what you have in front of you. Uh, I showed you last week, it's on our website, under our resources, the discipleship pathway that this is a resource, a tool we can use to make sure that we are following Jesus, seeing him more clearly, following him more nearly, loving him more dearly day by day, that we are looking at these 12 things that we see in Scripture about what a disciple, a follower of Jesus looks like. But see, everybody's path might look a little different in that we all need to pay attention and give focus to each of these 12 things. That's for all disciples, because we get it from the Word of God, which applies to all of us. But how we get there, the timing of when we address each of those is going to look different. It's going to look just as different as we all look. If you look around, is there anyone here that looks exactly like you? No. Some of you say, praise the Lord. There's nobody that looks exactly like me, right? And maybe there's somebody sitting next to you that says, praise the Lord. There's nobody that looks like them. No, just. But we're all so different. And isn't that beautiful? God loves the diversity that he created. It's a slice of what heaven's going to look like. And so therefore, our path of discipleship and how we address each of these 12 steps is going to look different. And you'll see in the the brochure you have, we have some wavy lines because 
It's not a linear path where you do one and check it off and then there is the next step. But yet they're all important. But here's the key for this morning. Even though our path might look different in how and when we address these 12 steps, we all start at the same place. Every disciple of Jesus Christ starts on the same step, trusting in Jesus for salvation. It's the card that you have there that was handed out to you. Perhaps you have it from last week as well. I hope this makes sense to you as well. Not only biblical, but it just makes sense that if you are to begin your journey with Jesus, choosing to be a disciple, a follower, who is choosing every day through the power of the Holy Spirit to deny yourself, to take up your cross and follow him, to do the hard work, the discipline, the self-sacrifice, the self-denial of the follower of Jesus as he calls us to, We all have to start at the same place, trusting in Jesus for salvation. Because biblically, you won't be a true disciple of Jesus, a true follower of him, being able to make that commitment if you have not yet first trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and trusting in Jesus and him alone, right? Yes, it makes sense, but we cannot move forward, we cannot start to tackle and unpack any of the other 11 steps unless we get this one right first. Trust in Jesus for salvation. That's why on the pathway, the one that you see in front of you that we have online, it is the biggest of the step. It is there in bold in a different color. The, the, The font is bigger and it makes, it stands out, why? because that's where we all start together. Trusting in Jesus for salvation. While all disciples of Jesus are to give attention to each of the 12 steps of the pathway along their journey, the timing and the way in which we do so will look different, but we all begin at this same place. For discipleship starts here. Discipleship starts here. Following Jesus begins with a soul satisfied in him, trusting in him for eternal life. Salvation is only found in Jesus, and placing your faith in him is the only requirement, the Bible says, to be saved. Life is found only in Jesus Christ. Now, as I mentioned earlier, and started to recount that story from early Genesis and the fall of mankind because of sin. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, we were born separated from God and separated from eternal life. See, remember, church, and this is an important distinction, it is not our sins that keep us out of heaven. It is not our sins that have separated us from God. It is our sin, singular, our sin nature. Now, the Bible says we do both. We have a sin nature and we also sin. Together, they keep us from being reconciled to God. But it is not because you have chosen a particular sin to live in or to give into that keeps you separated from God. 
It is the sin nature we are all born with. See, we are born, the Bible says, separated from God. And so therefore, each and every one of us is in need of that rescue, for God is pursuing all of us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has paid the penalty of our sin with his death on the cross. Having fully accomplished everything necessary to do so, he offers us forgiveness and salvation as a free gift. Placing our trust in Jesus the Savior is the only requirement to be saved. Now, while many believe that being good gets you into heaven, the truth is very different. The best person alive could not earn heaven because sin, now this is important, sin does not make you bad. Because if that were the case, then good works and obedience would be the way to heaven. Unfortunately, but yet fortunately, the Bible reveals a darker truth. Sin makes you dead. You see, in the scriptures, the word death means separated. The ancient Hebrews understood that. And the writers of the New Testament in Greek, they understood that as well. When we talk about death in the Bible, that ultimate meaning doesn't mean to stop existing. It means to be separated. Why? Because each and every person that God ever created, each and every person that ever lived, every person that you see, that you come in contact with every single day, will live for eternity. Did you know that? The only question is, where will they live for eternity? With whom will they be for all of eternity. So every one of us is eternal. We will live forever and forever. So when scriptures talk about that darker truth that sin makes us dead, it means we are spiritually separated from God. We know our bodies decay and we die a physical death, but our soul lives on forever. So when the Bible talks about sin making us dead, it means we are separated. Sin has separated us from our maker, our creator. We don't need to simply be better. Rather, we need to be brought back to life. This can only be done by God himself. We don't have the ability to bring ourselves back to life. Only the creator of life can do that for us. And this new life is found only in Jesus. I want to look at a few scriptures that reveal this truth as the first step of the path of discipleship, trusting in Jesus for salvation. You can open in your Bibles to them. I'll read them slowly. Or you can just listen as I read them. John 3.16. Anybody ever heard of that one? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, believe in him, would not die, but have everlasting life. There is a reason. It's the most well-known verse in all of Scripture. It's the reason that when you go home later after our lunch and you watch football, that you might see somebody holding up a big John 3.16 sign behind the goalposts. Why? 
because the gospel is found right in there. For God so loved the world, meaning this is how he loved it. Not that God so loved it like so much, even though he did. The wording here means this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever would believe in him, not do enough good works, but believe in him. Again, believing that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he was gonna do. Believe in him, will not die, which means no longer be separated. Death means separation. No longer be separated, but have eternal life. That we can say amen to. John 5, 24, just a couple of chapters later in the same gospel. John 5, 24, Jesus says these words, truly, truly. Now, when Jesus starts with those words, you need to pay attention, right? I would recommend that anytime Jesus speaks, we pay attention, but especially, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me, not does a lot of good works, but believes in him who sent me, has eternal life, and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. What a powerful verse about our salvation being secure and assured in Jesus Christ. Amen? Again, it says, truly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. You were separated from God. Sin makes us dead. But now, in Jesus Christ, as we believe in him for what he has done for us, we have passed from death to life. 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, talking about Jesus, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is called the great exchange. Do you ever hear that term? Where Jesus, taking all of our sin upon himself on the cross, being nailed to the cross, and all of that sin being forgiven with his death, his sacrifice on our behalf, the penalty we deserve to pay, that he takes all of his righteousness and puts it on us or imputes it on us at the moment we believe. And all of our sin goes on him. Do you see that great exchange? Our sin, our shame, our guilt gets imputed onto him. And at the same time, his perfect and holy righteousness is placed on us so that we can be found holy and righteous before a holy and righteous God. And only that way can be re can we be reconciled to him? Can we be made alive when we were dead spiritually? You see that? He took it all on him. And gave us his righteousness, the great exchange. Now, are we perfect in this life, in these bodies? Absolutely not. But yet spiritually, we have been reconnected to God forever and ever by believing in what Christ has done for us. That simply means we have been justified. 
We have been set right before God, a new position. See, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. Their position began in righteous relationship with God, but once they sinned, and they knew they were sinning, that they had sinned, that's why it said they knew they were naked, they had to cover themselves, and they tried to hide from God. They were fleeing from the judgment. But don't miss this, church. God pursued them. It says they heard God in the cool of the day. God made a sound. God will make himself known to you. What did that look like in your life when you came to believe in Christ for the salvation of your sin? He was making sounds. He was rustling the leaves before you even recognized it was him. He was pursuing you, church. God pursues you to rescue you. Do you know that that's what separates Christianity from any other world religion or faith system that has ever existed or ever will exist? That any other faith system, any other religion is about humans, about men and women trying to get back to God themselves on their own. The Christian faith, the Bible tells us it's just the opposite. With the God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, it says he pursues us. He came to live among us. In the flesh, the incarnation in the person of Jesus Christ, God pursues us and he offers us the free gift of salvation. He says, my son has done it all for you. All you need to do is reach out and accept that free gift. The Bible says we do that by faith. Believe, faith, trust. Romans 3, 21 to 24 but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This is Romans 3, 21 to 24. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means everybody, doesn't it? being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So I was having a discussion earlier this morning about the book of Romans. It is the Apostle Paul's magnum opus. It is his greatest letter, his greatest treatise on our new relationship in Christ, our position, our justification and then our sanctification and our future glorification in Christ. Read the book of Romans. It's not always easy. It can be so deep and so profound. But in essence, Paul is unpacking the nature of salvation in Christ through all of Romans. What a worthy study that is. Paul makes it really clear there in Romans 3, 21 to 24. That verse 24, he says, being justified as a gift by his grace. How? Through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. It is for us to believe. Two more from Romans. We'll bring it to a close. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, salvation means you now in our position of peace with God. Amen. Through whom, meaning Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. See, you know what I love about Romans 5, 1 and 2? Paul is making the point by, by saying this. Yes, it is by grace we have been saved through faith. God's grace, grace means unmerited favor. You need to understand the nature of grace. Grace means God did it all for us. It's unmerited favor. We didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. But God's grace, right, is offered to us. It is how, right, we receive salvation through faith is because God did it. That's a grace. We receive and accept that gift through faith. But see, grace doesn't end there, church. We need to understand and practice and live in and pray for and understand grace every step of the way as a disciple of Jesus all through our journey with Jesus and all of the 12 steps of being a disciple, living for him each and every day, seeing him more clearly, loving him more dearly, following him more nearly, day by day. We are to do it by grace. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying we've obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Grace is God's unmerited favor, but every step of the way, every day, we are to stand in the beautiful and wonderful and free grace of God. And finally, Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8, a couple of verses later. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come to God. You'll never be able to get clean enough. We have all tried, people have tried, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> we praise God for that. We simply come to him by faith, and receive that gift, believing that Jesus, that what it says, what he says about himself is true, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. So let me ask you this question, and just think of this, and think on this in your heart of hearts, and in a minute or two, we're going to, to take communion together, and think on this question. If you were to die today, and stand before God, and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? How would you answer that question? So a man dies and goes to heaven, or St. Peter meets him at those, you know, those pearly gates. <laughs> Peter says, here's how it works around here. You need a thousand points to make it into heaven. You tell me all of the good things you've done, and I'll give you a certain number of points for each of the good things you've done. When you reach a 1,000 points, you're in. Okay, the man says, let's go. He says, I'll start, I never stole anything. Oh, Peter says, that's wonderful. 
Two points. Two points, he says. Well, all right, I attended church all my life and gave my 10% tithe faithfully. Peter says, terrific, that's worth a point. One point. He's thinking, man, now I got three points, I got to get to 1,000. Well, all right, what about this? I started a soup kitchen in my city, and I worked in a shelter for the homeless. Fantastic, Peter says. That's good for two more points. Two points. And the man is exhausted, and he finally says to Peter, at this rate, Peter, the only way I'm going to get into heaven is by the grace of God, Peter says. Come on in. It is only by the grace of God that we enter into eternal connection, eternal life with our Creator through Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's the grace of God. It is the grace of the gospel. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it this way. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God and not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. God is pursuing you to rescue you. If you're here with us this morning and you're searching for answers, you're questioning even the existence of God, sensing perhaps still that there's more to life than just what you see and you've experienced, that perhaps if there is a God, you're thinking you want to know him or you want to hear from him. I can tell you right now, he has made himself known and he knows you for he has created you. The Bible says that we are all created by God but yet we are all born separated from him. And there is only one way to be reconciled, and that is through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation, the forgiveness of your personal sin. When you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died for you and rose again so the Father would accept his sacrifice, you believe in that and you believe it for yourself, that it's the only way. Bible says that you are saved. Now, if you're already uh, uh, with us and you've believed in the Lord Jesus and you are a Christian, a child of the living God, are you now pursuing God? See, God pursued you and you reached out in faith and accepted that gift he offered you. But now as a Christian, are you choosing to be a disciple to pursue him? You have been reconciled for all of eternity. And in that, we are assured, and it is secure. But are you pursuing him to live for him? If he died for you, are you living for him? Are you walking on the path of a disciple to learn and to grow and to serve? That's the question. We're going to take communion together. Jesus instituted this as a command for the church. He gave two commands for the church, for the body of believers. One is baptism. When you become a believer, you are to be baptized. It's actually a command of Jesus. If you are a believer and you have not yet been baptized, please come and see me. I'd love to explain it all to you. And we can go through the scriptures together and explain to you what that looks like and why it's important. Baptism doesn't get you saved. It's something that you do after you are saved as a public declaration to say, I am committing myself, 
I am identifying myself with Jesus Christ. So the Lord instituted baptism, and he also instituted what we call communion of the Lord's Supper. It was on the night before he was betrayed when he gathered with his closest of friends, his disciples. It was that last supper, the Passover meal that he was enjoying with them. And it said that he took bread, he took a cup, he passed them around, he blessed them, and he told them the bread represents his body, which he was about to give for them. And the cup represented a new covenant in his blood. And he said to take these, eat and to drink in remembrance of him. Church, there's a reason he says, do this as often as you gather in remembrance of me, because I think we can be forgetful of everything that it cost Jesus. See, salvation is free. It didn't cost us anything. It cost Jesus everything. Discipleship, now that's hard. That's going to cost us as we deny ourselves, self-sacrifice. But let's take the next couple of minutes as you hear the music play. Just allow it to... Um, to, to help you to get into that frame of mind and, and, and for your heart to be softened, that you can meet with God in just a few moments, just between you and God. And take account, take stock of your relationship with the Lord. See, the Word of God says to believers that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, meaning you have not yet checked your heart, You'll be guilty of sinning against that body and blood of the Lord. You're not taking it in the right way. Because remember, God knows our hearts. It says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take the next minute or two to come before God. Repent of any sin that you have committed and not yet confessed to him. And take a moment or two to reflect on the sacrifice and what it cost Jesus to offer you eternal life. And then when you're ready and there's no rush, after you've spent some time with the Lord, you can come on up and either come and get the bread and the cup or up here, or you can go to the side table there in the back. Take a cup and take the bread and return to your seat. And once we've all done that, I'll lead us in taking the elements together. Take your time, spend time with the Lord, and come and get the elements and go back to your seat, and we'll take and eat together.
Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat in remembrance of him. In the same way also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take and drink together in remembrance of him. Would you stand with me, please? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord shine his beautiful face down upon us. May the Lord give us all peace. Peace with each other. Peace with him. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Church, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, give the crew a few minutes, five, ten minutes to get everything ready, and please stay, stay and join us for a great meal and some more uh, fellowship together. Thank you, church. Shut
He's out.